In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success? Who defined it? Who decided that success was the goal instead of fulfillment? What happens if we shake up that definition? What if we make our own definition of success? My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and on this podcast, I'm going to dig deep into the real stories behind success. Join me as I interview other entrepreneurs who've climbed up Success Mountain and have come back down to share their stories so you can succeed. If you're ready to join a community of other entrepreneurs redefining success and finding fulfillment, go to BeFulfilledLife.com and join the community. Now, let's dive into today's show. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It is the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grubmeyer, and this is episode number 70. Today's guest is a leading expert in the global employee engagement community. He is a co-founder of 34 Strong, which leverages a strength-based approach to human development. Now, this is something I'm going to get into. To help you and them and everyone involved to create massive shifts within organizations, both culturally and on the bottom line, please welcome to the show all the way from Sacramento, California, Darren, let's get this right. There's Sami. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Tony, and you got it right. You nailed it. All right. It's always one of those pause for the cause, take care of business, and wow, I like it. Definition of success. What is your definition of success? Tony, I love that question that you ask every time of your guests. So for me, that definition is simply happiness. To unpack that a little bit, I feel like in our society, as we've gotten to today, we've gotten a place of success seems to be defined in these series of if-then statements, right? So if I achieve this goal, goal X, then I'll be happy. And then what happens? We achieve that goal and we're not happy and we're not feeling successful because it just moves. The goalpost keeps moving. And what happens is that actually leads us to a cycle where we don't feel successful, where we don't feel happy. So if we we have an idea of what are the things that make us happy, that ultimately bring us to that place where we can be fulfilled, that can be powerful. And when we're in a state where we have an abundance of happiness, we have an abundance of kindness, gratitude, fulfillment, we can actually have our cup overflowing. And the most important part in that cycle is not just happiness of self, it's actually the happiness that we bring to others just in sharing that, whether it's in a conversation that we're having or whether it's just being present listening, sitting back and being a safe place for somebody else to connect with. And that can be with those that we love or with perfect strangers. No, I think, uh, Darren, a couple of things that come to mind. I mean, happiness, in my opinion, is like that elusive state. It comes and goes, right? And you got to do stuff to stick there and work on it. And then the piece that I really like too is the conversation because it's a lot of self-talk that goes into some of that stuff that you experience at a high level. Are you originally born and raised in Sacramento? So I was actually... I give you a little bit of the backstory. So my parents are actually from British Guyana down in South America. So from the Caribbean, that's where my folks are from. I was born in Minnesota. My dad had the privilege of coming to the United States on a scholarship to go to school in Minneapolis, Minnesota in October. So he left the Caribbean. You're a beach guy. You grew up in Santa Cruz. Imagine leaving the shores of the Caribbean and going to Minneapolis, Minnesota in October to start your new life. He had no idea what he was coming in for. You're in Colorado, so you know what I'm talking about with the cold. Finished school. I I was born after two years there. Finished school, and they found out. They had some friends that had moved to California, called them in December and said, hey, Carl, Lila, those my parents, and guess what? The sun's out right now in California. You can actually walk around. 
you know, and, and not be carrying a shovel around. That's all it took. They, they moved. So I was actually born in Minneapolis, but grew up in the, in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. Siblings, brothers, sisters? I have two siblings, actually. So I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest, actually, by 12 years. Tony, I like to tell, say that I, I, maybe I was that great of an only child. I actually think my parents think it would have something else to say about that. Maybe it's a conversation for, for another, another chat here. But So I've got the two of them. I've got one that's 12 years younger than me, another one that's 16 years younger than me. And just they're truly two blessings that I count. On same same parents? Same parents. Yep. Okay. That reminds me not too long ago, I was in Vegas, this gentleman in taxi or Uber picked me up. We started having a conversation and, and I said, you know, how's life? How good, you know, everything good. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, kids. He's like, yeah, I do. I have a a two-year-old and a 27-year-old. Wow. And I'm like, all right, pause. So get remarried. He's like, no, we just took a break. Meaning like they just didn't have anything for 25 (laughs) 25 years. It was crazy. It really caused me to think for a moment of like, when I hear stories such as yours with your parents of like, I think we get so busy, our heads down and we're just going. And yeah, what a blessing to be able to have that kind of, you know, one-on-one attention with your family, you know, for 12 years. And then how, how about a gift, an absolute gift of, of having, you know, family come join you and be a bigger bunch. I think that's really, really cool of a story. It really was. And it, and it plays right in that space, exactly what you're talking about. Really, really enjoyed that time. I cherished that time being an only child. But one of the greatest gifts was when my, my siblings were born. I, I cherished the relationship I have with both of them. And, and, and when they were born, I vividly remember it. It was, it was really cool. And <laughs> this played in as I grew into adulthood. I was always, you know, be, when, before I, my wife and I got married, I'd, I was a single guy, go, go to different, different friends' houses. They'd have a baby, a newborn. And I'd be able to handle the newborn, get him to sleep. And people would look at me like, who the heck are you? You're, you're a 23 <laughs> or 24 year old that just knows how to work with newborns and you love them and you, and, and you, you work really well. With them. It was just, it just played out. Cause I had that experience with my younger brothers of giving them bottles, changing their diapers, doing all that good stuff. So, well, at least they got some help before it was time to kind of leave the home. Oh, Did yeah. you go off to college? Did you uh, start working? What was your life like after high school? So after high school, I, that's what actually brought me to Sacramento, ended up in the Sacramento area, attended UC Davis, did my undergraduate degree there, and ended up just sticking around in the Sacramento area. And then I actually went back there and did, did my master's degree. So I've been, been in this area really since the late 90s in the Sacramento region. So yeah, just over 20 years now. You've seen a lot of growth in, in California, Absolutely. Uh, Northern California. You've seen a lot of growth. How's traffic treating you these days? Is it still frustrating to get on, on the freeways? You know, it can be. Definitely can be at times. My family, they still live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and they all they talk about is Bay Area traffic, how when there's no traffic, it takes 20 minutes to get somewhere. When there is traffic, it takes an hour and a half to get somewhere. Where I'm at in Sacramento, it can be pretty bad, too. That's the beauty of where we're based. We're based in a town just outside of Sacramento called Elk Grove. And our, the bulk of our team is actually based here. So when we have office meetings, different things, I'm able to really not be too far from home. And then, you know, and then we travel all around the country as well. So I, I try and work around uh, traffic, set meetings up for some not spending a bunch of time in traffic. Or if I have an early one, I'll just get up super early and, and, and go and sit at a coffee shop and work beforehand. Did education come easy for you? Was it challenging? Was it like, what was like school like for you? Education was one of those things. It had it had its ups and downs. I think in my earlier years, I just kind of I just did the bare minimum. 
and as I got a little older, it started to make a little sense. In college, I had a lot of times where I would put in the work and the dots just wouldn't connect when it came to test day. So I was, ne- I was never, ever a great test taker. And that showed up in any of the tests that I, I did, whether it was a standardized test or even, even in different classes and whatnot. But I managed to get through and I, I always looked at it as I went through the process of learning how to learn. So regardless of what the test said at the end of the day, if I can tap into a a space in my mind where I can consume, pick things up, and then disseminate those nuggets in a way that's meaningful to apply in other areas of my life, even if it didn't show up on a test, I was okay with that. And I think that piece has actually stuck with me for, for a longer time. No, I appreciate you answering because I, you know, I wasn't a great student. I was the yeah. probably close to a C or if not D student. My mom was a special ed teacher, so I had no reason to not be a good student. I was bored. I, I literally go back and look yeah. at life and I was just, I just was bored. So I asked this question from time to time. So I'm going to ask it since you have your master's, if you could go back today and just teach a class or a course for a semester, what would you choose and why? That's a very interesting question because I actually did that after I got my master's. So I was teaching business courses at one of the colleges that were up here. It was sales marketing. The course that I really enjoyed teaching the most, truth be told, was our entrepreneurship classes. I ended up being the entrepreneurship instructor at the college for, for a period of time. The reason why was because in what I've seen in education, I've seen this time and time again, whether it was in business school or at other universities or in other education pieces, they'll lump in business and entrepreneurship together. And having, when I went through and I got my MBA, that was one of the things I thought I had great training on was, hey, how do you go and parachute in a company and take over a division that's already been built? But being a builder and going through the process of, of teaching what it takes to become an entrepreneur, nobody was really teaching that. And I don't mean that, Tony, like from a book standpoint. I mean, how do you condition resiliency? How do you condition getting your butt kicked, getting knocked down, having the most amazing moment where you feel like you've just taken the mountain and then 20 minutes later, you get a call where you feel like you've fallen off the mountain. I think you know what I'm talking about, right? No, definitely. And and how do you condition that and get that into people's head and, and, and go through that? So that was fun in the process of creating accountability pockets in my classes. They were small classes. And then being able to set ideas for where their successes were and where their setbacks lied. And week to week, we'd move those setbacks to successes with just little incremental progress and and accessing that portion of the mind. It was a gift. It was huge. Yeah. And so you get done teaching and tell me a little bit about your entrepreneurial kind of path to where you're at today. Just give me, give me a glimpse so we can there's a pocket you're going to you're going to hear open up in just a minute. I already figured it out with you. So now I'm going to I'm going to exploit this pocket in just a second. I don't know anything about you. I don't feel like I'm a, a medium or anything. I just feel like I'm I'm good at extracting DNA and data from people, right? I feel them and read them. So tell me after that, how did your kind of journey go until you kind of co-founded 34 Strong? So that was taking place simultaneously with when I did co-found 34 Strong. Let's just go deep here because I know that's where you go with the guests. So I'm going to jump off the cliff here and jump into the deep end. I was in an incredible place of just living my life, Tony, chained. I was living my life chained and not realizing I, I had the key. My daughter was four and a half months old and my wife, my daughter and I took a trip together to the big island of Hawaii. And 
on that trip one morning, I would, I would get up with her. I take her out to the beach and she's just taking in life. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is just so amazing. Seeing somebody tap into their potential, start thinking about what are all the things that she's going to do? Who's she going to be? And one of those mornings she's sitting in my lap, I'm eating a papaya and what ends up happening? She looks up at me in my lap and she laughs out loud for the first time. You, you, you have a few kids, right? So you can remember those moments, right? When, when it happened, it was absolutely an amazing moment. And it was absolutely an incredibly terrifying moment hmm. all at the same time, this juxtaposition. And the reason why Tony was, I had to look into her eyes and I had to say, I'm here supposedly on a trip with the two most important people of my life, but I don't live my life making it that way. I live in Sacramento. You know where Sacramento is. I used to commute to San Francisco three to four days a week. I'd leave in the morning. My daughter would be asleep. I'd get home in the evening. She was getting ready to go to bed. I wasn't making them a priority. And all the while, I was actually disengaged in my work. I was in a place where the leadership didn't support us for a place of growth. I had lived through the pain of what that looked like. And the other juxtaposition is I was teaching at that time and I saw an incredibly engaged environment in my classrooms that I could bring that out of my students. Many of them, I was able to help them launch their own businesses, take that leap, get going. So I came back from that trip, Tony, and I knew something had to change. And it's amazing when you change the things that you're looking at, the way that you're looking at things, the things that you're looking at will start to change. That's what happened within two and a half months of that trip right before Christmas I met my business partner in, in, in 34 Strong, Brandon Miller, and the rest is history. No, I like that. So like I always say, like if I could change my behaviors, I could change my life. Right. Right? So what has to change is I have to change, right? So how, how do you, Darren, how do you go about in that two and a half month kind of window, then finding Brandon and kind of then launching really this business and kind of kicking it off? What were the things that you were finding yourself doing over those two and a half months that you weren't doing those previous months or if not years? Life is not meant for settling in, right? One of the greatest gifts that we have in life, Tony, is the fact that aging is an incurable disease. We're all going to end at some point. And in that pocket of time, that, that jolt of life that my daughter shot into me, it helped me to realize to stop just living, just taking things as they come and having somebody else design your life. Because what came to mind is, you know, we all have heard the saying, no regrets, don't have any regrets. No regrets. I have no regrets. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and the whole point is you can get there to the end of your life and realize that you have a bunch of them because you were too fearful to make change when the opportunities were right in front of you. So I started, I started in that moment, I started shifting my, my lens and looking at my daughter, I, I, I asked myself, who's the father that I want to be for her? And I, I, truth be told at the time, I, I didn't know, but I knew the guy that I was at that time that was running down, that was showing up from work, not energized, but exhausted. She wasn't worth the leftovers. My wife wasn't worth the leftovers. We were going to have more kids. They weren't worth the leftovers of me. They were worth the best of me. And if I was in a place where I could help discover what that was for me, I could bring that home. And more importantly, I could bring that to others. And, and it's okay finding out that something doesn't work for you. So I went to a, a, a space of trying to change those behaviors by changing the questions and fast forwarding to if you think that regret is, is if you think that change is scary, try regret because regret lasts a lot longer. 
changing. No, I think you're you're spot on. So you you reframe the question, right? And you started asking yourself every you. The, I always say like the, the lenses in my glasses were backwards. So it was hard for me to see now that I actually have cleaned them and I've owned up to why there's scratches on my lenses and things that have gotten in the way. Now I have to go do the deep work, the deep work. Right. So how old is your daughter today? She's six. She'll be seven in July. And my son, it's just the two of them that I have. He's three and a half. He'll be four in October. So you're looking, you're looking about four and a half years or so kind of from this momentous change in your life. Is that about the right time frame? No, no, it was about, it's almost, it's, it's coming up six. Oh, six. Okay. You yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So that's old. a, that's a long time. So when you reflect back and you have a son, congratulations on yeah. having the all American family. I, I think everybody says, if I could just have one boy, one girl, my wife yep. and I are good. We're great. Yep. Yep. I've been blessed with two beautiful boys, very strong men who put up with all my BS, right? So I uh, woke up one day and and since that moment made a decision. And that's why it's very empowering to talk to you because when those, I call them knocks, when those knocks come in your life, something knocks and wakes you up, you now know what your life was like and what your life is like today. And you only have one way to go, which is to constantly get better than the person you were before. That's the only way, in my opinion, right? Because otherwise, you'll go back to your old behaviors and you'll end up the way you were. So here's Darren choosing now to live his life completely different. And then you and Brandon get started and you start 34 Strong. So tell me about 34 Strong as a company, as a movement, as your love, as your passion. I want to learn about it. And and what I want to do is pause for a cause and just come back in just one minute. And what we're going to do is we're going to come back and we're going to deep dive with you. And I'm going to start just firing a bunch of questions because I, I want to I get to how people can not only follow you, but they can learn more about you. But I already can tell there's a lot of good foundation formulas. Most people that don't have masters are not sitting around here using their masters to really help empower the world. They're just kind of, it's something in the back. I had an employee once who I think had more degrees than years of real work experience. <laughs> and and I'm, I, I'm saying this because I think there's something magical that's coming and we're going to unpack that in just a minute when we come back on the Be Fulfilled show. But first off, thank you for stepping up and being an incredible human being. And thank you for seeing the opportunity and, and making a decision in that moment to do something. Despite everything that we've gone through as humans, we're here today to share our story with the world. And I'm excited for when we come back to hear more of Darren's story right here on the Be Fulfilled podcast. We're going to take a quick break. And since Tony's taking one, let's take one together. Let's take a deep breath. Wherever you are, feel those ribs expand, that chest lifts towards your chin. Let's do it now. That feels good, right? That's one of over 23,000 breaths you're going to take today. You don't even think about it, but you're focused on that one. That's life. That's rejuvenation. That's the moment right here. And thanks for doing that with me. We all matter. Those breaths matter. Let's remember them. And let's get back to the show. All right, we are back on the Be Fulfilled podcast show. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. Today's special guest. This is an incredible human being with just a passion to uh, bring change and just to affect good in the world. Darren Verasami, uh, and I'm probably going to mess it up one in time, left time, right time. But hey, here's the deal. No matter what the name is of our last name or our first names, 
what's the name you call yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning? That's the, that's the question I want to know. Like, Hey man, you look good today. Or you're like, Hey, you need to put on some weight or you need to lose some pounds. What's the name you identify with when you look at yourself in the mirror? So there's a story behind that. All right, let's bring it. I will bring it. So it's a word. It's called I am Yarek, Y-A-R-A-K. My wife actually made me a, a placard of this. So what Yarek is, Tony, and this came out of a, a tribe of us that went to Tony Robbins back in 2015. And one of the gentlemen that I went with was, he used to be a falconer back in his day. So he used to actually have a hawk. He'd hunt with it. And he explained this term to us called Yarek. And what Yarek actually is, is when he would be able to get that hawk to the point where it was perfectly fasted, perfectly aware, in the perfect mindset and completely in peak state. And when that bird was in Yarek, it would be able to hunt creatures that were three and four times its size with a level of precision and accuracy that was unstoppable. So I have that as my word. I have some, some different words. I just try to remind myself of asking myself, who am I going to be today? But Yarek kind of embodies those elements of how I want to show up every day. And listen, you're going to have days where your, your peak state is higher. Some days it's a little lower. The goal is to tighten up that band. And the whole yeah, no, I, I like that. So let's talk about 34 strong because it's, it's something that not only just I have, I heard just, you know, a couple minutes before we got on the show today, you're wearing a shirt. It's a movement. Uh, one of our dear friends, uh, Kara Parrish invited us to get together, works with a dear friend of ours of the show, Dub Baron. So we're connected strongly today by some good people who thought we should get together and have an in-depth conversation. So I want to learn because you co-founded a 34 strong business, which leverages a strength-based approach to human development to create massive shifts within organizations, both culturally and on the bottom line. Yeah. So at the core of any successful team, Tony, is this African proverb, right? And that African proverb is simply this. If you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go with others. That's at the core of our message of what we try to do. And too often in life, from, from young, we've been conditioned to look at what? Look at our areas of weakness. And we think that our greatest opportunity for growth and development lies around our areas of weakness. The real shift comes when we look at what are the areas that we're naturally talented? Where are we naturally strong? Because if we invest in that, we can go from good to great, great to excellent, and we can manage around those areas of weakness. So 34 Strong, that's one of the pieces of the puzzle is identifying people's talents, identifying their strengths, and helping to get them to play there. But the overarching outcome that we're looking at is creating a great place to work and sustaining that for the long term. And doing that not when 34 Strong's in the mix, but being able to do that on your own. And it takes time to walk through that. Sometimes we step into cultures that are a little challenged, shall we say. Uh, we're not communicating very well, landlocked, different things like that. We're, we're in different camps. We're siloed. But we help to break that down so we can start seeing each other through lens of talent. So do you have people, their main job is they say, hey, they call you up on the phone and say, hey, I've got this situation in my company they hire you to come in, consultant, do you stay on as a consultant? Tell me a little bit how you, how you work with companies. Yeah, so the way that we work with, with companies, we do a lot of work with companies and within government agencies as well, but we have a roadmap to the process. So a lot of times we start with the senior leadership. A lot of times when we are coming in, it actually is not for a one-off, just a single day, team building, high five, rah, rah, rah. It's actually coming in and, and we're working through a longer term work plan. Some of these are 
one year, two year programs. It's, it's creating that sustainable change. So we tend to start with that senior leadership team to really make sure there's that buy-in because they're going to be the messengers. They're going to be the ones that are responsible for modeling and mirroring that culture out to, to, to everybody else. So creating that environment where it can thrive. Then we roll to the managers and then into the associates. And in that process, we also take a pulse on where is employee engagement right now? How, how are engaged our people? Are people feeling valued for being valuable in their work? No, I, I can agree. I mean, the, I don't have a business without I'm just empowering people, right? Because otherwise, like, I got to do all of it. That's what I've always done as an entrepreneur yeah. is like, if you want it done, just give it to me. I'll get it done. What are some things that keep showing up in some of the, the clients that you have that you don't have to mention any companies' names or, or individuals or government agencies, but just a common theme you, you see at the top of the leadership when it comes to the very, very top? Oh, yeah. So one of the common themes that just permeates many, many industries is the fact that a lot of times from the top, the way that we, we look at developing that next wave, managers, different things like that. Managers are just promoted, thrown into the water and said, hey, good luck, go have at it. But there's no training that's really gone going into that place. And this is, there's no human development strategy that takes place. And the reason why this is so important, Tony, is from a manager standpoint, a manager, an employee's engagement is impacted about 70% of that. Gallup estimates about 70% of an employee's engagement is tied directly to their manager. Maybe you've done this, but, but the real question is, is this, do people quit bad companies or bad managers? Most of the time, people are quitting the bad manager, the bad boss that they've had. So that has a profound effect on the culture and even attracting the right talent or not. So that blindness to the importance of developing the managers and making that investment of time, it's, it's not an expense. It's actually an investment that will grow your bottom line, that will grow your productivity and allow you to scale. I don't remember the quote very well, but I think Richard Branson says something, paraphrase a little bit like, you know, if you don't invest in your people mm-hmm. or if you do invest too much into your people, you're fearful of them leaving but I mean, flip the, the, the way you say it and like empower your people and they will stay. They will, you yeah. give them the tools, you give them the resources. Like you, you talked about Tony Robbins a year ago, we sent our entire sales team to go have a, you know, a powerful four or five days. And, and, you know, it was crazy as they came back and thrilled and engaged. And, and I think you can see this with, you know, motivation, personal development or inspirational stuff. Some get it and then some lose it, but you've planted a seed in everyone and it's just when it gets watered, does it actually kind of grow? I know it took me many, many years to kind of understand personal development. I thought it was uh, fire hose. I thought it was like rah-rah. I thought it was like Yoda. You know, you got to unlearn everything you learn is woo-woo and this and that. And now today, my life is empowered and enriched from, from the gospel to reading my Bible to talking to people like yourself to doing deep work and understanding that, you know, despite my past, you and I are both here today. So we've survived some things that have brought us here. I'm sure your life hasn't been all peaches and cream, right? There's been ups and there's downs. But what is profound is that in that moment, that knock, that two and a half year old you're holding in Hawaii laughs at you and you just feel this thing inside of you. And you're like, uh, and you used happiness to kick off the show here wasn't a very happy guy. Now, all of a sudden, 
happiness is around him and he's doing what he was created to do, which is to help others, right? I think that's what we're created to do. Besides loving God and loving people, we really go out and empower people because you're bringing change to not a couple of people. You're bringing it to large organizations and, and the government that helps also, you know, government agencies to kind of run the United States. So I want to say thanks for doing that. Jim Rohn, one of Tony Robbins's mentors says, there's really only like seven or eight miserable people in this world. They just seem to move around a lot. <laughs> so it, it's empowering to, to hear you speak today and just your tone and the way that you carry yourself. It's, a, it's just, actually really refreshing. It's not that I interview bad people. It's just, I love when somebody comes on and they're in their zone and they just, we're driving down the road together. And I feel, I feel that good connection between you and me. Talk to me about your business partner, Brandon and Miller. Tell me a little bit about him. Yeah. Brandon is awesome. What's beautiful in any successful partnership, I feel like Tony, is you have to understand that you both can't have the same talent. So in our business, we always say that I'm the brake pedal and he's the gas pedal. And interestingly enough, if you spoke to anybody else in my life anywhere else, they would say I'm the gas pedal. But in this business, I serve as kind of the brake pedal. Brandon has become prolific in the space of strengths and employee engagement. But the part of him that is so exciting is he's always had a strong commitment to children. In fact, our big why for 34 Strong is not impacting workplace culture now. It's for what happens for when people go home to their children, to their spouses, to their friends, to their family, to their churches, to their community. How much better are they showing up in that space? And like, Brandon- Like has, a legacy, right? Like a legacy. That, that's what it is. So if I, I mean, you use the analogy just now of the seed. We're putting the seed there giving people the permission to show up in that space, which they can then take home. And part of what has just got me so fired up about just the work that, that Brandon's done and that we've done together is part of his next journey and his legacy. Him and his wife, Annalyn, have just authored a book called Play to Their Strengths. Tony, you're going to love this. What it is, is it is about playing to our children's strengths, to the way that they were designed to be and helping to empower their strengths as opposed to trying to get them to show up as the version that we want them to be as parents. And they have the privilege of having seven children together and no adoptions, no families mixed, or it's seven kids they've had all naturally together. And that range and that spectrum has been profound. They have a, have a grandkid as well. But in, in play to their strengths, that is what they're getting into, into that next generation of how do we parent to our children's strengths? I've had the privilege of being part of reading manuscript. And I literally, Tony, came away from that book. It wasn't a bunch of theory. It was like, I have some tools right now in the way that the conversation I'm having with my four-year-old or with my six-year-old, I've been able to do that. And at the time I read it, my, my son was only two and it shifted the way that I was interacting with them. So that's coming out in June of this year and, and just very, very excited to, to see where that goes. It's going to be available. Well, we'll make sure we get that in our resource part of our uh, show. The show notes are available at TonyGrubmeyer.com, so you can grab those. A couple, couple things that I just want to talk about. Were you an athlete growing up? I was. I ran track. I played basketball poorly. So my, my parents waited 12 years before they had siblings and apparently they gave them, they gave them the height gene. So I am, both of them tower above me. Both of them are phenomenal basketball players. I did not get that gene. I could run 
for long periods of time. And that's, that's what I did. Did, did running, did a little bit of martial arts as a kid, kind of stopped on that, but it was cross country and track. Where'd you meet your wife? Met my wife at a wedding for one of my college dorm mates. We just happened. You, were, you, went, you, you did live out uh, wedding crashers. I see what you did. That's, that's what I did. No, so that, that's exactly what I did. Now, we met at one of my really good friends from college was getting married. My wife, Lisa, just happened to be her coworker. They were kind of partners in what they did and some account management for a client. And we were seated at the same table. Didn't expect anything to come of it. We stayed in contact. I was starting business school two weeks later in Sacramento. She lived in San Francisco. We stayed in touch when I'd visit my parents in the Bay Area. We had coffee a couple times and we had dinner several months later. And before we knew it, we were starting to see each other somehow making that work during the week, seeing each other once in a while during the week as well. What's something that you really admire about your wife? I admire her kindness. I admire her calmness. I admire just her, her presence and the safety that she brings for me and so many others. And, and when I say safety, she's just a safe space, safe energy to be around. And, and she, she gives permission to people to feel safe. Tony, perfect strangers come up to her, share their life story. It can be overwhelming for her at times, but she just gives me that and allows me to just be who I am and just appreciates me for who I am and pushes me to be that better version of myself. It's, it's, I, I'm so blessed to have her in my life. You know, a good woman or a good man mm-hmm. or a good partner mm-hmm. is an essential ingredient at the end of the day. Like it's nice to come home and, you know, have the other person excited for you to be there. Do you remember when your daughter, and it was like new to you and you were coming home from the office do you remember your daughter like at the door with your wife waiting for you? Do you remember those days? I do. Yeah, I, I could remember, remember those days, the excitement that both of them had for different reasons. I very, very much remember those. I, I remember when my daughter was really, really little and I would get home and it was all about, okay, I'm home. I get to take over my daughter, but I willingly wanted to do that. It wasn't sure. like here. And I, I would just tell my wife, Go outside, go do something, go to the store, walk around because you've been breastfeeding or, or whatever for the day when she was first born. Well, Darren, Arasami, what I want to do is take you into the fulfillment round. I'm going to find some more about you, but I'm going to ask you a bunch of just random questions. If you're ready, all I need you to do is say, I'm ready. I'm ready. And now it's time for the fulfillment round. No phoning friend, no using the Google machine. No digging into storage for the Encyclopedia Britannicus. And I promise, Tony won't make you cry. And if you don't know the answer, just make it up. The Fulfillment Round brought to you by ShipOffers.com for all your product and fulfillment needs. Now, Tony, you ready to ask some questions? A couple things that came up today. So I am Yarek. What would be a sign you would put up around the house for your wife? Jeez, you know what? I actually just made her a baseball that said... She she pitched softball, so I actually wrote a whole, a whole bunch of stuff around that, just some of the things. So different elements. I am yes. I am kind. I am strong. I am impactful. I am a voice for change. Those are things I would put up for because those are things that she is continually aspiring to get to and be. I like that. 
So you, you, you experienced some life in Minnesota and you experienced some life in California. What's something that you even maybe had been told about Minnesota that's a bright light, something that would just bring a smile to your face? What was something that you remember about Minnesota? So I was so little when I left there. I was about two when I left there. So all I really remember were the photos of me in these giant snowsuits seeing that. So the, the memories that I have are my parents talking about it was really cold in the times <laughs> and we had to shovel snow and we had to get out of there and, and, and they had the opportunity to move. So that was, I, I really don't have a lot of memories from Minnesota in going through there, but those pictures looked very, very cold and I'm very happy I don't have to shovel snow. You get a chance to be the keynote speaker at the Hall of Fame ceremonies for either Carl Lewis or Usain Bolt. Who would you choose to and, and why? I would choose Usain Bolt. Uh, a couple of reasons for that. I really, that, that brings back some connection for me to the Caribbean. It was really cool seeing Usain just bring Jamaica and the Caribbean to life. I've always appreciated Usain as well for his personality, but also his appreciation for knowing his strengths. He's an amazing sprinter, and he's also owned the fact of like, there's certain things that I'm probably not going to do that well, and I'm not going to waste my time training on that. And that embodies so much of, of, of what I think matters. So I've, I've really appreciated that about him in that cycle. But there's also a little bit of the cultural connection growing up listening to a lot of reggae music and, and soca music and whatnot. That, that was pretty cool seeing Jamaica be that big on the map. A product of the 80s, 90s, or today? I am more a product of the 90s. More product of the 90s. 90s hip-hop just runs through my mind all the time. And some like Just shout out some artists and some music you used to listen to. So I used to listen to anything from Green Day to Tupac to Biggie Smalls to Pete Rock and CL Smooth to Gangstar to Wu-Tang Clan, all, all that sort of stuff, and I could keep going. So one of those songs comes on the radio today. Your kids are in the back seat, and Dad turns it up and just starts singing. Your kids singing along like they know the songs, or they're like, "Oh, Dad, please." You know, some of them they actually do know and 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 can kind of sing along with. Definitely not trying to rock too much of the the Tupac and whatnot with them, but some some more of the R and B and different things like that. We definitely have exposed them. No, I, I think that's great. Last, last question for you. There's a day you were born and someday you die. If the world was to fill out the dash on your tombstone, the in-between mark, how do you think that would read? Or if not, how do you think it would read? How do you want it to read to the world about your life? Here lies Darren Barasami, a person that helped empower others to live their life to their fullest that gave people permission to step into being themselves, to show up engaged in what they do, and to carry that over to all different aspects of their life in an impactful way that could change things for generations to come. Brother, that is a, a good way to end the show. And anybody listening today want to get in touch with you, what would you say is the best way to do that? They can reach me through LinkedIn, Facebook, 34strong.com is a great place to, to find me and find out what we're doing as well. One thing I want to share as well on 34strong.com for your listeners is great exercise. If you're trying to figure out what your grind zone is, greatness and genius, we've got a great exercise. It's a free download on there. 
for your listeners to be able to, to go into and it walks them through that whole process, identifying what your grind, greatness, and genius is to maybe start clarifying where do you want to spend your time? Because staying in the grind zone, that area that is just not your area of strength, clearly, maybe we can figure out a way to manage around that. And it'll at least give you an inventory on how to think about that. And they just find that at 34strong.com? 34strong.com. It's, it's right there on the homepage. You can, you can actually download it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest and a new friend and appreciate the connection and just you uh, sharing a little bit of your journey with us today. And I do have one more question. And I just, I love asking this from time to time on the show is you came on here today, you, you, you had something, maybe a message or something you wanted to say, and I may have not asked that of you. I didn't go that deep or we didn't go down that path, but I don't want to let you get off the show without saying what that could be. Did you anything come to mind today or did you just literally go, oh, I'm just going to go for the ride. However it goes, it goes. A message that I would love to leave your listeners with. You can see behind me, Tony, you, you see me now. There's, there's a bass that's back there. I play electric bass. That's been a huge, huge part of my life that's, that's defined me. One of my favorite bass players, a gentleman named Marcus Miller, he said this quote, and it stuck with me from a young age, and I think it's a great place to leave your listeners. He said, whether it's in music or in life, he goes, at some point, you got to find your own voice. You just got to find you. Because at the end of the day, nobody can do you better than you can do you. And that's, that's where I'd love to leave things for everybody. Just that reminder. Well, thank you. His name is Darren Verasami. My name is Tony Grebmeyer. And no matter where you go, no matter what you're up to in this world, just choose to make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at www.tonygrubmeyer.com. Enter your details to get the first week of the Be Fulfilled Journal for free. It includes access to our private community of thousands of other entrepreneurs. It'll give you more clarity and freedom in your day. And it might just change your life forever. Forever.